Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, ESPN2, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speaker for watching. Keyshawn, ESPN. Uh, we are on news or two right now. Just pour some help. On, on we're news. news. Yeah, we're on we're news. news. Yeah, yeah, because it's 9 o'clock. Um, we're watching on ESPN News. You're in a lot of different it's networks. Just, well, it's, that's it's why. different it's just, on my screen. It's my only screen. Tuesday, man. Yeah, right, exactly. For yeah. me, it's Monday. I had, I had something to say it on the prompter? yesterday. Exactly. I'm, I'm <laughs> anchor, man. You got me to say anything on prompter. <laughs> I said, what? Uh, we're watching Key on Dances with the Stars. And yes, you said you had a daughter, a, who, you have a, a daughter who's a dancer. What did she say when she saw you on Dances with the Stars? Well, they thought it was cool. I mean, they think it's cool. She didn't but see. I'm the only professional dancer in the house. Right, I see. So, so. that's you, what could she really tell you, right? Nothing. Enjoy <laughs> it. Poke fun at me. Bill Nye, the science guy, is that right? Yeah, yes, Bill Nye, you said it correctly. See, that, if you have daughters, here. daughters start to – I got three girls. They develop their own language. I don't even understand what they're saying half the time, but I know they're snapping on me and laughing at me. But I have no idea what they're saying or what they mean. Bust a bus or whatever yeah. that stuff is, all that. <laughs> no. hell is bust what, a bus? I, I don't know what that means. It means what? good or something. Something they done found on the internet. I thought you were talking about Busta Rhymes. That's no. I'm like, yeah. like Busta no, Bus. Yeah, think, that was a good song. Exactly. I love that was it. a real good That's song. That's a great song. Yeah. What is what, y'all what doing, what man? What is this? Look at that twist. You know how hard that was? I could have broke no, her. That's science guy. When I twisted her, I could have broke her wrist. Yeah, but Man, Bill Nye, the science of, guy, know. maybe he's a good dancer. What can you do? <laughs> We're asking on the Dr. Pepper call-in line and Twitter feed which 2-0 and o team is overhyped and which 2-0 and o team is underrated. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Plus, we want to know which 0-2 team can still make the playoffs. One of those 0-2 teams is my beloved New York football giants who lost a close game to the Washington football team. Key mentioned this this after the game that Kenny Galladay was either yelling at Daniel Jones or Jason Garrett. We couldn't figure it out. Remember, I, and I was asking you, Key, is who's he yelling at? If it's, if it's Daniel either Jones, one that's them. bad. If it was Daniel Jones, I, I wouldn't be – because, as you said, he wasn't open. Daniel Jones was playing, playing well. So what did he be yelling at Daniel Jones for? Galladay cleared up exactly who he was yelling at yesterday. Listen. Pretty much just me talk, just talking to um, JG a little bit. And, you know, those, that's, that's two competitive guys right there. And more so just um, me just want to do anything I can. Not so much give me the ball more, though. So you, you said you, it's not something you've really done in the past. So what, what do you think spurred it this time, then? Uh, I mean, you know, division game. Um, wanted, wanted to leave that spot with a win. Uh, I don't understand why you, why you got to act like, he, no, you want the damn ball so you can help the team win. And you want to be put in the right position to get away from dudes strapping you down. So, you went to the offensive coordinator and vented to him. Said, Stop making me look like a bum. Yeah, and, and it's not that, I don't understand why people think there's something wrong with that. Well, let's oh, because, not bury the lead. Hold I, on, JJ. Let's yeah. not bury the lead. First of all, he was not yelling at Daniel Jones as we no. so maybe he he was yelling. I figured at it was Jason one. Of, I figured so it was one OC. of the two. Right. Because yeah. as a receiver, but we didn't know. Wait, you either go yell at him wait, or you yell at him. Was Jason Garrett standing right next to Daniel Jones? He might have been. Away it was not obvious bit. on the video. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. because it, it seemed like when you watched the video, Daniel Jones was reacting to Kenny Galladay, almost like barking back. Well, he probably, back he, he probably was just saying, calm down, we got you, yeah, just we got something you. Okay. like that. Okay. Trying to pacify. No, yeah. give me the damn ball, man. But see, I'm, I'm You're paying okay. me for a reason. Yeah, I'm, but you I'm know, okay with athletes, like, calming situations down. And I feel like that's what Kenny Galladay was trying to do. 
Like, yes, he could be pronounced to say, yeah, I said give me the ball and draw more heat on himself because you know how New York City media is. But in order for him to deflame the situation, but all right, you know, just let me. But no, he said conversation with JG. I'm like, that wasn't no conversation. That was you screaming and hollering to get that rock. But that's One how thing conversations was, going. It, it was confusing me if it was Daniel Jones because you Galladay has at least a reputation as a baller coming in. He's supposed to be yeah, they paid him like wide receiver the, the one, right? Yeah. He's like if yeah. he's playing fantasy. The point is that he usually guys like that, if they're not playing well, they're not going to be barking at the quarterback when the quarterback's kind of balling, right? That's a bad look. Yeah, you don't it's never good that you, he don't, you don't never yell at the quarterback about getting you to rock you all. Like I told you the other day, you go at the offensive coordinator. The quarterback, you don't you don't bother him. You don't you just cause he's only doing what the plays tell him to do. And if you get open, you'll get the ball. So you go at the offensive coordinator because the offensive coordinator has the ability to make you one, two, three in the read or not in the read at all. Question for you, I was Key. always in the read, though. Question for you. Galladay barking at Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. Did you notice anything where you thought, because you, you said, I mean, you mentioned he was not getting open, right? No, he wasn't. Did, did you not see the film I saw? Did you see anything that made you think, that's on the OC? That's schemed up wrong. He's running like. So, sometimes you, you got to know. Your challenges. When I was at the, when I was with Mike Tannenbaum and Bill Parcells and those dudes, and we got ready to play the Cowboys and Deion Sanders, we knew the things that gave Deion trouble. So we put me in a situation to get me free, because I ain't gonna run away from him. But there are certain situations and formations that will allow me to get free access, rather than. Running straight past because so that wasn't going to happen. So it's not so much even from what I'm gathering that he's necessarily mad, hey, you're putting me in a bad situation. It's he's saying he could be saying you're not putting me in a good one. You yes. didn't figure this like there are some things that, yes. that are going to work and you're not doing you're that. Playing, I got this duck at defensive back and you're playing right into their hands. You're not motioning me across the formation. You're not allowing me to get free access. Motion me across the formation. Put me in the slot. Put somebody outside of me. Put me inside. You know, all the different things to get a guy open and free. Like I said, we played against the Dallas Cowboys, and we had Deion Sanders, prime Deion, like the scarf Deion, prime. You know best what I'm whoever did it. Yeah, the yeah, best, best ever did whoever it. did it. They weren't fit to leave me out there on the island right? because that, that was a win for him. So what we did is we motioned me across formations. We put me in a slot, something that Deion at that time in his career hadn't played. So now I got the whole field to work with, opposed to one little side that Di says <laughs> against Come the best here. cover guy now, who ever lived. You got to know what your you got to know your strengths and your weaknesses and what a player is. Joey in Long Island, you're on with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Yeah, you strap me up there. Joey, how we doing today? What's up, Joey? Good morning. How we doing, man? Yeah. So I was wondering um, after Zach Wilson's Week Two performance, or is it time to worry about the new? overall pick of the New York Jets? No, start worrying next year. This year's his rookie year, man. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even worry about it. Let let's whatever happens, happens. Let's see what they do in the offseason and in the draft next year. And then the season. Then we'll see. Because if they don't address a lot of some of the things in terms of help and doing things, he could be Sam Darnold in three years. And then some other team gets a good quarterback. And then he goes. <laughs> yeah, and they do it again. Yeah, and then he goes to like the Rams or something. 
And yeah. then all of a sudden, well, he's a pro bowler. I mean, the more Sam Darnold continues to do his thing, and I understand your point, Max, about paying Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. But like he and I both said, I mean, keeping Sam Darnold, using that pick for draft capital, you know, if they don't start surrounding Zach Wilson with the right pieces sooner rather than later, you're starting to look at Joe Douglas a little sideways. See, think about it this way, Max. You say you only got a couple years to evaluate him, right? Sam Darnold, if he was still here. Yeah. Well, how many years do you think you got to evaluate Zach? And how many years you think you got to evaluate Daniel? Three. You so if you three. can't, By if you three. don't know, if I don't know what this dude is in two or three years, I'm gonna Do probably it. wind up getting fired or doing it all over again any damn way. Right. So right. why not keep a dude like Sam and go get him a McCaffrey? And you have Robbie Anderson, y'all allow him to walk out the door. Mm-hmm. Why not go and do that? You have a you had a saying, I don't know if it was from Parcells or not. You you said that's year one, two, three. Yeah, year what? one, I don't need anything out of you. Go learn how to drive a car. Year two, learn how to put the gas in and then stop by a drive through and get some food. Year three, go to the grocery store, come back, cook the meal for the entire family. If you can't do that in year three, chances are you're probably not gonna be good. So so I would say and th- so you got really Four years to figure it out, because then if you're still thinking about your quarterback in four years, I think that's what happened with Sam Darnold, right? No, it was only three. Right, but but three, he played three years. But look at who he played for. Yeah, and yeah, with. right, right, no doubt. Frank so, Gore was oh, like so what? Sixty-five years old and still running. Y'all went sign Frank Gore. Why? Do, I feel like, like we, come we on, keep man. having so, the same conversation about the, Sam Darnold. I feel like it's driving me crazy. Well, yeah, because here, here's it's the, the New question. York fan base. Here's they the want to know, and we got to get to Paul Feinbaum. Here's the question. At what year in your rookie quarter or in your young quarterback's development do you need to say, okay, now we need to surround him with the veteran pieces to take the next step? Does that happen year two, year three? Depending on when you're bringing him in. If it's this situation where it's a, a blank slate like, like the Jets are versus when Mark Sanchez walked in the building, where, and I, and I would have got to Mike on this and told Mike, y'all screwed up Mark because y'all didn't hire a competent offensive coordinator to develop that dude. Y'all let him deteriorate along with the defense. At some point, They've got to start to build around Zach, which starts next year. Starts his second year to start building around so him. So blank slate, you got to start putting the pieces together in year two so that by the time he goes to the grocery store, he actually has the ingredients he can cook by the meal year, with. By year three, he should be okay. All right, here we go. Let's bring in Paul Feinbaum on the Goodyear hotline. We go from the NFL to college football. College football's play of the month is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football's back, so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Fake it to Johnson. Martinez, flushed out of the pocket, rolling right, throws on the move. One-handed leaping interception at the three-yard line. D.J. Graham went airborne and pulled it down with his left hand and intercepts Martinez. Are you kidding me? We have, uh, but before we even get the key, yes, break, down that that, would be break down that play for us. That is the, that's one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life. And, and I agree with you on that one. I've seen some. That one right there, that might be the best catch I've ever seen. That might I've be seen, the best catch I've, I've ever seen. I've seen Chris Carter. I've seen Randy Moss. I've seen Jerry Rice. I've seen that. I've seen uh, uh, OBJ's catch. I've seen, I've seen some of my own. But that right there. That, that, that right there, though, the ability, the athletic ability to be able to torque his body in midair, I guess that would be a full twist on the way as, down, a, as yeah. a, a gymnast or whatever, and cuff that thing. He didn't snatch it and, and bring in the other hand. He snatched it, cuffed it, twisted, and hit the ground, and it didn't pop out. Well, well how about for DJ Graham right here in the situation? When he cuffed it and he turned, the ball actually turned into the body of the defender. 
and he still was able to hold on to it. Paul, you ever see a catch like that? Is that the best catch of all time? Uh, It certainly is, but the the thing that grabbed me about the the, the conversation a minute ago was Keyshawn saying, I've seen Randy Moss and Jerry Rice and Chris Carter, and I've seen some of my own. (laughs) <laughs> you think he's watched some tape of himself Paul once or twice a Paul, few key shots keep hey, talking about key Paul I think so hey Paul I had glovies these mitts right here they didn't drop them too many bless you bless you thank you jeez get this guy some uh, hand sanitizer yes no no I, I sneeze down yeah, but it's still, not like we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yes. What can you Into do? The turn air. that right. way, Max. <laughs> I, did, I tried. I couldn't even turn to sneeze. This kid's turning with one hand with a ball, defender on him, the whole thing. Paul, what's your biggest takeaway from Alabama surviving Florida on Saturday in the swamp? I, I think the fact that Alabama is beatable. And two weeks ago, I don't think we really thought that was possible. We thought they would run the table, maybe uh, you know, get bruised by Georgia in the SEC championship game, but they were very vulnerable on defense. And that's the one side of the ball we kept being told by the insiders. Elite, what are, what are Nick Saban's best? Well, we didn't see that Saturday. Th- this was a game Alabama had in hand. Uh, they were up 21 to three in one of the most difficult arenas in college football. And they let the game get away. They gave up a 99-yard drive. They, they really had to hang on uh, because you know, Florida missed an extra point. They had to go for two. They saved their worst play call of the day for the two-point conversion. And, and it still wasn't over. Alabama just sim- simply could not put that game away. And that has to be a problem to th- if, when you look about what is ahead. Uh, it, a week from this coming Saturday, Alabama will entertain Ole Miss, and Lane Kiffin has one of the most explosive offenses in the country, maybe the best quarterback in the country. The next week, they go to College Station to Texas A&M, and then uh, the rest of the SEC West continues to pile up. So uh, I ha- I'm, not, I'm not writing Alabama off. They're still the number one team in the country, but, but I would have to be very concerned. Hey, uh, Paul, why do some people think that this team over the last couple of weeks just don't look like a Nick Saban-ish type team? Well, a couple of things, uh, Keyshawn, especially against Florida, they, they didn't they didn't move the ball very well on the ground. I mean, they, they really gained almost nothing on the ground. And, you know, Bryce Young is, is, is really solid. Uh, you know, some have criticized him for, for not taking more chances. I, I'm not going to do that. I think he, he can look around and see the best way to continue the season is doing exactly what he is doing, is throwing the ball and not trying to be a hero. But the, but the defensive line got just eaten alive. And, and, and that is a concern, Keyshawn, because uh, we, we know Alabama piles up five stars by, by the bushel full. And, you know, you have to wonder, are they being coached correctly? Uh, the, you know, they're, they're also not tackling very well. Some coaches are telling me they, they, didn't, they didn't hit hard in, in, in the lead up to the season, which we, we're seeing a lot more of. But but ultimately, they, they still have a really good team. They're just not uh, in a class of their own at the moment. Well, let's talk about another head coach and his team. Actually, him and Nick Saban coached together when they were at the Miami, the, the Dolphins in 2006, which is fascinating to kind of see these styles and how they combat. How does Georgia stack up against Alabama, Paul? Right now, from, from a, Georgia's defense looks like the best in the country. Uh, the concern, Jay Will, about Georgia is – is the offense? Uh, you know they, they, they scored. A, they, they you know they beat up South Carolina pretty badly the other night, but that's not an accomplishment. Uh, they they will be challenged a lot more than that. 
you know, JT Daniels is back. Uh, he, he looked pretty good. So the question really of George is how explosive can they be? But but overall, they, they look, I, I wouldn't say the equal of Alabama, but but they're, they're certainly on the same shelf with Alabama right now in college football. And it is chaotic. You, you really have two, two what I would call elite teams, Alabama and Georgia, and, and then you're searching right now for that next team. All right, so how about when you got Arkansas in a big game coming up against Texas A&M? I've heard a couple people talk about Texas A&M being a little bit underrated, Paul. I don't know how you feel, but obviously this is a colossal game. I saw what Arkansas was able to do to Texas. But, like, it, does Texas A&M have a chance to really be that team to kind of sneak in and nobody's really paying attention to? Well, right now, I'm not, I'm not certain of that. They lost uh, the quarterback, Haynes King, in the Colorado game. I mean, they barely beat Colorado. Uh, the, their backup quarterback, Calzado, is, you know, seems like he, you know, he, he won that game for them. But this is really their season. Everyone in, in College Station has been pointing toward the Alabama game on October 8th as the, the be-all, end-all. Remember last year, that was mm-hmm. the only loss. They had a 28-point loss, and it, keep, it kept them out of the playoffs. But, but if they don't survive this game, uh, they're going to really be in a free fall. And, and Arkansas is just this unsung team, Jay Will, that nobody gave any credit to. Uh, you know, last year they, they, were, they were three and, uh, and, and seven. It seemed like they, they were a lot better than that, but they, they blew a couple of games at the end. The year before, they didn't want a single conference game. But in the second year under Sam Pittman, a coach that, that was on nobody's list. I mean, this is a, a career offensive line coach. He was at Georgia. He, no, you would never have thrown his name into any search. He got this job. He has won the state over. And this would be, uh, you know, beating Texas was one thing. Beating Texas A&M is another level. And, and I, I think uh, Texas A&M seasons is on the line uh, this Saturday. I talked to Jimbo Fisher yesterday. You can tell he is not thrilled with the, the play of his team. But uh, he, he is somebody who keeps getting contract extensions, as we all know. And, and this is really critical for him. This is not a game I think he, he looked at before the season and thought, I, I have to worry about winning this game. Now he does. Well, will Haynes King come back? Is there any timeline on him coming back, Paul? Yes. Uh, he, uh, he's expected to be back sometime in mid to late October. But by then, Jay Will, it may not matter. Yeah. If, they, if they lose this game... Uh, Saturday and then Alabama the next week, uh, he can come back and, and lead them to a nice bowl game, but they're not playing for any championships. Paul, Notre Dame is ranked 12th in the country right now. Two weeks ago, I watched them play against Florida State just like you did, and I walked away from that saying, this team is not like that. They're kind of, it's the brand, it's the gold helmet, it's NBC. Now they take on Wisconsin ranked 18th. Can they be in trouble? Yes, uh, most definitely, and and I mean they're 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 under a lot of pressure right now. Not, this is the premier game of the country. It's being played at Soldier Field. You know, Wisconsin. I think a lot of us discounted them because they lost to Penn State, but Penn State now uh, looks to be a formidable team after be- beating Auburn at home. And think about this, Keyshawn. Uh, Notre Dame has Wisconsin this week and Cincinnati next week mm. uh they could lose both games and it, 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 their championship hopes forget the championship hopes because I don't, I don't think they ever had championship hopes but playoff hopes will be down the will, will be down the drain i mean they're not coming back if they lose either one of these games i don't think so uh, the pressure is, is going to be enormous on brian kelly's team this weekend paul ever since you fired up jim harbaugh he's three and oh now and 
how you like me now, right? I mean, is is this team finally – did Jim finally figure it out with Ohio State losing early? Will he be able to beat them at the end of the year and maybe find himself in the college football playoffs? It's possible. Uh, you know, they have, what, Rutgers this week, and then they start getting into the meat of the schedule with Penn State and, and other big games. I mean, they, they certainly look better than they have in a long time, which isn't saying anything. But uh, I'll, I'll give Jim credit. He, 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 uh, I mean, his, uh, his job was on the line. He saved his job. You know, we've been down that road before. And, and ultimately, he's got to keep doing this. I, I think we're reading a lot in to the early going. And I don't, I don't want to dissuade any of my close friends in Ann Arbor. And there are, there are, you know, there, there are at least two or three people that would give me the time of day up there. So <laughs> I, I hope so. I mean, I, I think it would be an exciting story to see Jim Harbaugh competing. But but don't forget, uh, Penn State, I think, you know, may be the team to beat. Michigan State looks very good after going down and, uh, and, and putting uh, Manny Diaz's career in peril in, in Miami over the weekend. So, I mean, there, there's, you know, we are just now starting to get to the, the meat of, of, the, of the Big Ten schedule. I'm not reading too much into it yet. So that's what I was going to ask, Paul. How good could Penn State be? Uh, I mean, I mean, they were. I mean, they got out of that game the other day. Uh, I'll, I'll, let me let me quote one of my colleagues, uh, Greg McElroy, who was on our program uh, last night. Max, I, I asked him. I said, "How good is Penn State? Where would they rank?" And I know fans around the country hate this when we start comparing anyone to the SEC, but I'm just going to give you his opinion. He's a, he played quarterback. Uh, he, he he does games for ESPN and ABC now. He said he would rank Penn State in the middle of the SEC. I said, more specifically, you said fourth in the SEC West and third <laughs> in the SEC East. So that's the answer. That, that, that right now is the Big Ten's uh, ambassador with Ohio State in so, trouble. Yeah. So I, I don't think I would invest too heavily in my Penn State stock, yeah, Max. They probably would be second in the Pac-12. Yeah, where would they be in the Pac-12? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They're no better. They're not better than Oregon. I can tell you that. And, yeah. and, and I might find somebody else even better. I mean, I, I, I mean Auburn is a pedestrian team. I mean that. I mean that. That, that is and the critical play in the game. The quarterback on fourth down, uh, Keyshawn, he threw it out of bounds. Yeah. Uh, not exactly a wise decision there. But uh, yeah, I, I give James Franklin credit. He's got a good team. But by by no means uh, do I think even if they somehow figure out a way to get through the Big Ten, I don't think they're I don't think they're a threat to beat Alabama or Georgia or Oregon right Not now. Not a chance. Paul Feinbaum is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. College football's back, so are the fans. Crack open an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, slap on a fresh coat of face paint, and return to glory with an all-new season of Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Thanks, Paul. Always great to see you. Paul Feinbaum on the Goodyear right, Hotline. Keyshawn J. Will and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. By the way, one rule an NFL coach has about going into the end zone, uh, that's after Key has this from DraftKings. It's been a great start to the NFL season, and it's only getting better at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. DraftKings is putting new customers in the center of the action with a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes. Get in on the action now, Jay Will. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, which means don't spend too much money on your salary players, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the NFL action like never before with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And the best part of it, 
you can deposit and withdraw cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code KJM. This week, new customers can get a free shot in millions of dollars in total prizes. Enter the code KJM to get a free shot at millions in total prizes with your first deposit. That code is KJM. That would be K for Keyshawn, J for J Will, and M for Max. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for those simple details. Lamar Jackson looking for his first win against Patrick Mahomes. The decision to go for it on fourth and one. Well, I mean, you're clearly worried about giving Patrick Mahomes the football back. It was extremely gutsy. More Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max next. We got to get into the football, but Jay, I wanted to ask you during the Sports Center, and b- because I'm anchor man and it's not in the script, I'm like, uh, you know, San Diego. Oh, what I said, what? <laughs> Jay, what? What do you think about Reddick's retirement? Well, I'm, I'm happy for my brother first and foremost to his two sons. I know being a father is a priority to him. I know he was potentially waiting to try to see that situation that could work out with the Nets, Brooklyn, to come back home to New York. But look, man, God is known for the Dwight Howard era. In Orlando, Lob City, and the Clippers, maybe part of one of the best 76ers team they've had in a long time. Um, and he finishes his career in, you know, top 20 in three-pointers made and three-point shooting percentage. I think the, the volume and the body of work speak for itself. I'm just glad to see him go out on his terms. Major hit rock. He can drop it at the bottom of the net. You know, it, at some point in time, you stop chasing it. And he's made the decision to stop chasing it. You know what? I don't know if I believe. Uh, JJ seems like a nice guy. I've run into him once or twice. Seems like a nice guy. He'll stay ready. He'll That's stay ready. the thing. He'll stay uh, ready. He's in this area, and you got a team in Brooklyn that could be making a finals yeah, run. Course. Someone gets hurt. They need some shooting. Yeah. He, he, I, I think he reti- ought to stay ready. You never ready. retire when, until you retire. Yeah, you just, especially yeah. if you have a skill that travels well, that yeah. ages well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keyshawn J. Willemax is presented by Progressive Insurance. Um, Key, today is a big day for you. Oh, thank you. Your new book has launched today with yes. yeah! Bob Glauber. T- tell us about it. It's a forgotten first, man. It's a uh, a book talking about Kenny Washington, Woody Stroh, Marin Motley, Bill Willis. It's the breaking of the color barrier, right? So uh, there was a once upon a time. Here's a pretty book. It's on sale. You can grab it in many copies. It's a wonderful read. Um, Makes a nice gift for the holidays coming all, up. All, all those things. But it, it talks about the reintegration of, of four black men into the National Football League. And for a, a period of time, 12-year period of time, from like 1936 to, uh, I want to say, four, I think it was 34 to 46, that we were not allowed to play in the National Football League, right? It was just wasn't happening. The Rams came from... Cleveland, remember they were the Cleveland Rams before they became the L.A. Rams, the Anaheim Rams, St. Louis Rams, back to L.A. And so Kenny Washington was a backfield mate of Jackie Robinson, the baseball player. At UCLA? They were, at UCLA. They were like the greatest thing going. Kenny Washington was the first African-American All-American at UCLA. And think about this. He was all everything, Jay. He never got drafted. He didn't get drafted. Mm. He signed as a free agent to the Los Angeles Rams that moved from Cleveland. And the reason they signed him is because of the politics. So you know how stadiums, uh, uh, 
subsidized by the government, a state, local yep. officials, they whatever. They get tax money. Tax yep. money, the whole deal. A lot of them do. So in Los Angeles, politicians, along with a, a writer from black newspaper, went to the Rams and said, hey, in order for y'all to be able to use this stadium, you've got to get a black person on the team. And so the Rams made the decision to do it, and they signed him, and then eventually the Cleveland, and then eventually the Cleveland Browns, they signed two black players. But it was a a long period of time, and it, it's crazy because there's things that <clears throat> Preston Marshall, who owned the uh, Washington Redskins at the time, that are now on the Washington Football Team, he would take his team away from and go down south to play games just so he didn't have to deal. With black players, it was it was wild. Listen, stuff. a lot is known. Like our national pastime used to be baseball, so a lot is known about the history of race relations in yes. baseball. Jackie Robinson, nineteen forty-seven, very celebrated. But our national pastime is now football. Yes, and and that history in football is much less well known. Key, hold it up. It's called the Forgotten First, and this is the kind of stuff that, as football increasingly. People get it in their heads. This is our national pastime. It's history, and that includes the history of the most important issue in the history of this country, which is race, because it's this country's original sin, is very important. I think that's an important book you just did. Oh, Hold it up again. Let's just show it. Show it's it. extremely important. I, I hope to be able to educate people th- th- about, in history about what's going on in this book, because growing up, in our communities, in our schools, we were only taught about Jesse Owens, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson. That was pretty much it. These four, if it wasn't for these four, then I probably would have never had an opportunity to play in the National Football League. That's just the reality of it. And it's just one of those deals where you, I get, like when, when we were doing the research, I was getting mad because, you know, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I was getting teed off, man, because when you learn stuff, it's like he did what? Key, ask me why I never saw Schindler's List. I can't sit through that. I get too angry. Please. Please. Get what was the most shocking thing that you, you, you found out throughout your research? I, the, the, the most shocking thing was, was it, it's shocking because four players, uh, two players, Mary um, Motley and Bill Willis, were on the, the Browns team, and they traveled – they had traveled to like Miami. Now I didn't realize that Miami was the obviously back then that was considered like the deep, deep, deep south. Yeah. south. Yes. It's not anymore, right? It's just Miami. And the players didn't travel because they had, they were getting death threats. If you come here, we're gonna, you know. And it's, and so the owner hit the letters and didn't travel. He didn't tell them until the end of the year why he didn't travel them. And to me, that was just crazy to just. Think back then, people really wanted to take somebody's life because they was black and played on the damn football team. It's just wildest thing ever. It's the wildest thing ever to think about. The, the history of this kind of Theodore Roosevelt, president of the United States, wanted Booker T. Washington in the White House, invited, had him over for yep. lunch or dinner, and there were riots about it. And, this, and, and editorials in, in Southern papers talking about it. And there is a despicable history in this country, not just of race relations, but of the way white people particularly in the South, treated black people. And it goes, you know, it, this is from the beginning, from the inception of our supposedly free country. And this is something where, where sports intersects with our culture. And especially now, as I said, the history of this in football is not extremely well known. But with a book like this, The Forgotten First, 
it'll become a little more well-known. Mm-hmm. That's the plan. That we'll, is so the plan. We'll close out week two with one matchup that left the former MVP flipping for joy. See what I did here? That's after Jay has this from Goodyear. It's our favorite time of the year. As we're back traveling the road for college football. That's right. And Goodyear knows the passion and excitement it takes to drive forward. Whether your team is home or away, the game's traditions are still the same. Through every first down, touchdown, or fourth quarter comeback, by moving, anything is possible. Goodyear is here to drive you forward on the road that moves us all. Goodyear, more driven. Hey, it's Greeny, and on Tuesday, we're looking back on the conclusion of Week 2 in the NFL season with the Packers and the Lions on Monday Night Football. Jeff Saturday will hang out after Get Up, and we'll talk plenty of football. See you then. It's Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. The biggest game from week two was Lamar Jackson and the Ravens win over Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to tell you the one quarterback outside of Mahomes that we would start our franchise with. Tune in tomorrow for that. In, in that game, Lamar Jackson's game-winning Can I tell mine touchdown. now, my quarterback? I mean, we're, saving, we're teasing we're it saving for tomorrow. We're tomorrow, Damn. Man. Lamar Jackson's game-winning rushing touchdown key in which he flipped into the end zone. I want you to hear... Uh, head coach John Harbaugh yesterday being asked if he was okay with the flip. Here's coach. But I didn't see the flip until later. My wife told me about it, and I saw it, and I was like, then I heard his hip hurt, and I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Flipping is okay. No, there's no anti-flipping rule. As long as you hold on to the ball. Yeah, as long as it results in a touchdown. Unsportsmanlike conduct, throw a flag. Might as well do a flag every other game the other Do you think day. about that, Key? I don't. I, I would prefer him not do that. Right. Me personally, not from a taunting standpoint, just from an injury standpoint. You don't have a the rule against thing, it, but if you given your preferences, you say just run it into the end. Yeah, yeah. I would tell him, no man, what's wrong with you? You stupid or you dumb? You got to be one doing that. Because if we lose you, we might as well go to Cabo in December. What if? What if the answer is, but you lose me if I can't like express myself? You know no, what no, I mean? No, no. As a teammate, and he did that. That's what I would say to him. Uh. Like, man, are you stupid? What are you doing? And then he would, oh, and then I would be like, okay, yay, we won. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, as, yeah. Yeah, it, it just, just because I need to protect that, that's fine China, man. Yeah, yeah. We don't want anything Speaking, happen to that. And how fine is it, Jay and Key? The two big questions on my mind heading into this weekend was, one, I was looking at the Raiders. Let me see you go do that on the road mm-hmm. again, right? And they did it. The other was Lamar Jackson. You know how good things always happen to Patrick Mahomes' team? The other team screws up. and good. Yeah. I think that's because everyone on the field knows that dude is better than everyone else. It puts pressure mm-hmm. on the other team. It lifts. But you know who the best player on the field was? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, to me, key. he made some plays in that game. Everyone talks about the jump pass. <laughs> he made some plays in that game. Where, and I said. You've got to talk about the jump pass. He's got, he's, he's got to do it like it's Mahomesian. He's got to be Jacksonian. He was. He was the best player on the field, well, and his played, team won. He played. He played football is what he did. You can go all the way back to Pop Warner and watch him, high school, Louisville. He just was out there just balling, playing. So when he came out into the draft, this was this whole notion about, oh, he's standing tall in the pocket, pat the ball, drop, step, and throw. Man, no. 
I want somebody that's going to help me win the damn football game. But it's hard to play. I don't Isn't care it hard about to, all that. It's hard to be that same kind of player all the way through to the NFL on an elite level. Like, no, no one's ever done it before, really. No, no they like all that? have. Just, well, okay. What you think Michael Vick was? But Vick didn't do it like this quite. Man, Vick was ridiculous, uh, uh, man. No doubt. He was ridiculous. No doubt, but by Vick's own admission, he was the last guy well, in, Vic, first guy Vick out. Vick will say all the right things. Man, Vick, Vick was cold-blooded like that. Cold-blooded so and, far. And young Cam Newton was cold-blooded like that. So far, Lamar Jackson well, is even more electrifying. He's taking it to another level but when you start talking about other, oh, those type saying. of players. You're saying it has been done. People yeah, have yeah. carried that style yeah, to the it, NFL. And he's taking it to another level. They've won playoff games. Cam Newton did that and took him to the Super Bowl. Yeah, went to the Super Bowl. And Mike Vick had to Jump NFC. on that ball, Cam. Think about it. Mike Vick went into Green Bay. Oh, they lost in Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. They lost but in Philly, too, in the playoffs one year. Philly they had a good shot. The, but he went bonkers. He I, went 80 in Green vet, Bay. Yeah. The, the, the oh, question becomes, game. if he can sustain this level of play for a period of time, what happens as he starts to get older, right? When, and I hear you're going to say I you mean, don't know, but like Michael Vick still had the ability to sling that thing. I think we're, we're seeing but Lamar Mike Jackson Vick, throw Mike it outside Vick, the numbers a little Mike bit. Mike Vick had a hose. There's no question about it. Just like Lamar got a hose. The problem with them is they don't get a chance to spend – they didn't get a chance early in their careers to spend a lot of time on their accuracy because – it was just like, why do I need to work on his accuracy when I got this dude? I'll give you I another get, one who was incredibly dynamic f- for a season because this is actually Mike Vick 3.0. 2.0 was RG3 for one year Yeah, he had the Washington. one year. Yeah, he had the one year in Washington. Yeah, but then he got hurt. Well, that's because he just frail. <laughs> yeah, and, and also they put him back in the game on a bad wheel. Yeah, it's like, yeah, they need to say their job. They put him back in on a bad wheel, pressured him into going. They kind of hurt his career by doing that to how, him. how long do you guys realistically think Lamar Jackson can continue to play at this level? Man, it ain't going to change. He's been doing this, Jay. I know, I know, I know he's been doing it. He's been doing but I'm this. I'm saying playing at this level, how many years you got? I, well, this level, see what's interesting about that question? A- ask yourself, mm-hmm. who's the most effective? Like, who's running gives you the best chance to win? History of the modern NFL, like in the Super Bowl Who's era. running? Who's running? Now, I understand he's a quarterback, so there's a dual threat, and it's different than just a running back. But still, when Lamar Jackson's he, running, he, uh, might be the most effective ever. But once he slows down, Jay, whenever that is, that's mm-hmm. when it's going to end. When he slows down. But how, many, how long down. till he loses half a step? That's what I'm saying. That's a, that's Dudes like that down. is fast and quick regardless, man. Six, that, seven, eight years from now, yeah. he's going to be fast regardless. He's still going to be faster than everyone else. He might not be fast as some receivers as he is now. But he's still going to be fast for a quarterback. But that's my point. Other quarterbacks will get a longer tenure due to the other capabilities, right? Like if that's arm strength or accuracy. And you wonder how much longer the le- you can add to the legitimacy of his career. If Longevity, give, give him 10 years, man. This happens in Major time, League Jay. Baseball. I feel, you, I feel you on Key, that. Key, you play baseball coming up. In baseball, this happens with, power, with, with good power pitchers. Yeah. They start out. They walk a lot of dudes. They strike out a lot of dudes. They're blowing everyone away. The good ones who last, they learn over time. I don't have to throw 100. I yeah. can f- throw 95, hit my spots. And then you go to the pin. Stay in, yes. But even as starters, stay in the strike zone, hit my spots. I'm going to give up more home runs because I'm in the strike zone, but I'm not going to walk, dudes. I'm going to pitch. Here's what I would say about Lamar Jackson. He can win a Super Bowl with doing exactly what he's yeah. doing. Oh, I agree All you got to do is hit in the playoffs right. The right matchup, you look up, and you're in an AFC championship game. You're at home because – Somebody knocks somebody you're off. The best and now, record, now, whatever. Yeah, now you're at home, 
and you go in there and you clip them and you play in the Super Bowl. And you got a great defense and you, you play complimentary. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing. My, my point about the power pitcher is Lamar Jackson's evolution can be, as he slows up a little, he compensates with greater experience because he is accurate. He just needs to be consistently accurate, right? He can thread the needle. He can make amazing throws. He's done it the first two weeks. And as time goes on and he gains that experience, if that can compensate for his loss in speed, Tom Brady is a better quarterback. I'm not saying this is the best he'll ever be, he's ever been, but Tom Brady's better now than his first couple seasons. In the NFL. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. He's so, a thousand years old. He's right. got all the information in his head. So as Lamar Jackson gets that information, yeah. maybe he'll wind up a better overall quarterback in year seven or eight. That is true. I know what we're not so talking funny. about anymore. We're not talking about whether Lamar Jackson deserves the bag or not anymore. That, that's not. Well, that's easy though. He was going to get know, that regardless. Some, key. I'm but still. He, he was people, getting that regardless. I'm still not that. convinced he shouldn't be a receiver. <laughs> he needs oh, to move God. position. Dapper, right. But we're right. talking well, about race in Key's book. Key, you want to hold that book up? The oh, forgotten yeah. first. Forgotten that's, that's first. Right here. Here it is again. <laughs> but but it's funny because until extremely recently, yes, there was a whole hoodwinking of everybody that that basically kept black men out of playing quarterback, yes, right, in the NFL. Cool. And that's mm-hmm. very recent. And still we look at the coaching differences. This is not coming from nowhere. This comes from somewhere. Yep, that is true, though. And, and you just got to continue to just keep chopping wood, man. It'll change. All right, Greeny is next. Catch me on first take on ESPN right now. Well, second, and don't forget. Second take for you. Well, because Stephen hey, A gets the first take. And don't forget, just in with my man Max Kellerman at two on ESPN. We'll talk to you. Tomorrow. See, now as Keyshawn like gets more and more experienced, like 15 this happened early. to me my first couple shows. Oh, I didn't lay out <laughs> long seconds. enough. Sorry, my no, bad. No, 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 no. It's 10 seconds. Now, any second now, we're going to say Greeny's <laughs> coming up. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max back tomorrow. ESPN Radio. <laughs> 